Hi, I'm Will. Hi, I'm Biha. Hey, I'm Alex. Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Camille. Every week, each of us talk about something that we find interesting or important in our world. This week, we're going to be talking about the effects of hyperpartisanship in America. Now, obviously, this is a multifaceted topic, so we can go into a lot of specific angles and uh, tackle a lot of perspectives about this topic. But specifically, I want to first talk about the social aspect of it. As far as uh, I, I know in our school, we all, you can see a lot of Republicans, you can see a lot of Democrats, and it seems as if everyone sort of views the other political party as the enemy, you know? And I want to talk about the ramifications of that. So do you guys have anything to say about that? Um, yeah, there's definitely, if we keep on viewing, like the people who share our country, <clears throat> who live alongside us as our enemies, how are we supposed to work together on anything that requires like mass societal involvement? Like if we want to improve the standards of living across our country for everyone, then these are just things that we have to work together on. And we simply cannot do that if we just keep on antagonizing each other. Yeah, I mean, especially because in some of these cases where people are just very partisan, it seems like rather than working towards like creating a better society and a better atmosphere for everyone, it becomes more about like attacking each other politically. Like if they're on the opposite political aisle, it becomes more like a personal attack rather than everyone trying to resolve their differences and move together to find solutions. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, I don't obviously have a lot of political experience seeing as I'm in high school but what i as far as i can remember from being a kid it seems as if with president trump becoming president and you, you can look at this objectively whether you like him or not i think you can all say that he was very divisive as far as the tweeting um and referring to them as the radical left and crooked hillary and all the other nicknames that he gave people sort of framing the other party as the enemy. And I think that that obviously has caused our country to transition into a more polarized era. I'd say on top of him being polarizing, the left kind of made him even more divisive by the way they covered him, making it so like absolutely everything he did was wrong. Not saying whether I like him or not, but they, they did sometimes cover him unfairly. And what was interesting to me about how polarizing he was specifically is that when you look at his approval ratings and his disapproval ratings they stayed really stagnant like they stayed the same or at least relatively so like it didn't fluctuate very much throughout his entire tenure and when you look uh since the advent of modern polling every president has had less fluctuation than the previous one as far as who approves of them and who disapproves of them like obama he was he was pretty uh pretty divisive in a similar way with approval and disapproval. But I think Trump probably made it even worse considering his approval rating was never over 50%. And those who did approve of him seem to be pretty ardent supporters of him. That's actually really interesting um, that you bring that up. So that sort of makes me think that a lot of politics is really just about who or which um, official is a part of your party that's really what matters and to me that poses a problem in the sense that it doesn't really matter who's a more qualified candidate especially in elections it matters who's a part of your party and how are you going to improve your nation as dan was talking about if the only thing that matters is what party your candidate is affiliated with 
yeah and talking on that topic um we see now that like the amount of policies that both republicans and democrats are advocating for they're all like largely the same in terms of quality like obama passed republican plans plans for healthcare republican presidents have passed like democratic plans or other topics, but whenever the opposite party pub like publishes something of their own plans, the other side always like jumps on it immediately. While it's the opposite, if it's the same side, like publishing the opposite party's plans. I think the saddest part of the the hyperpartisanship is that even plans with pretty broad support, like gun control. Um, or at least at the basis of it, like universal background checks and and s some aspects of universal health care and, and uh, some pretty broadly acceptable policies with, or at least, you know, polling has shown a majority of voters support, um, but you just die as, as laws because if it's a democratic idea, Republicans will shut it down because it looks bad for them. If it's a Republican idea, Democrats will shoot it down because it looks bad for them. And was most disappointing to me um, about like Biden's presidency thus far is that he hasn't, I feel like with his uh, COVID relief bill, I understand his desire to go large with it, but why didn't he just spend another week or another two weeks debating with Republicans on proposing a bill that was more bipartisan than just a democratic wish list? Yeah, um, I agree with that completely. And a big problem with that is the fact that Biden really ran on the idea of bringing our country to a more unified state. So if he's not willing to work with the other party to achieve compromise and do as he said that he would, then it's kind of hypocritical. Yeah, I was going to say one of the biggest campaign things or like what I expected from Biden when he became president was he wasn't going to be like, Obama and Trump, where they were very extreme on their sides, and they didn't really focus much on bringing the nation together, and they kind of therefore led America to be more divided. And Biden was is is and supposed to um, bring the nation together. And I think it's very important for him to do that. And one thing I can say about uh, a polarization is I think Alex or Dan, you guys talked about this. If they're, they're just supporting the laws that they want and the bills that they want. Nobody's coming to a compromise and supporting, you know, both like trying to please the Republicans and Democrats. And the other thing is the, the government is beginning to like serve, the, is beginning to serve the political parties rather than the nation as a whole. And they're focusing more on what does their party want and not what their nation wants and what's better for the nation. Uh, while we are talking about Biden, um... Uh, he, uh, recently, there was an article I read that said that he was actually going back on his promise of, you know, removing all, uh, what was it, tuition for students entering college this in these in the, during the coronavirus. So he's definitely coming to a consensus with the Republican base on that, which is interesting. No, yeah, something that I wanted to quickly touch upon from like what Abiha and what Will and Alex were all saying and Dan was saying. Uh, was that especially last election, despite it being like very, very competitive between Trump and Biden, the independent voters and those who did not want to be decisive or like go to the extremes uh, for the candidates, you know, they voted their party. They voted libertarian. And we saw like 
a very successful run from Joe, Joe Jorgensen. She, you know, she did pretty well for a third party candidate. Um, and a lot of people were upset, especially Republicans, be, because they saw that like the third party was stealing votes from Trump. Um, but I think it's just very interesting that despite the partisanship see, is like seemingly increasing, at the same time, I think there's also an increase in people who view that partisanship is increasing, that it is an issue, and so they're deciding to vote third party or some other party besides the big two. I hadn't really heard of a uh, large turnout in third party candidates. I, I don't know how widely it is reported on. I had heard of Joe Jorgensen, but I, I hadn't seen how well she did. Um, it is interesting, though. I didn't know third parties were getting greater support. I thought they got more support last election, although I could be wrong about that. I didn't look into the numbers for that. But I was just, it would be nice to see more options when when voting for president, Senate, anything. And I'm curious if you guys think uh, the voting system as a whole is kind of designed to get us in a very partisan shape. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a two-party system. And I think that implied with that is the fact that there are two options between literally every issue, every socioeconomic economic issue that you can see in the world. I mean, I think that issues shouldn't be divided into black and white. There, it, there should be a gray area. You should be able to choose multiple sides of multiple issues. And the problem with the two-party system is the fact that if you don't fall in line with every single belief of the Democrats or every single belief of the Republicans, then voting for one party doesn't satisfy the entirety of your beliefs. And I think that that's a big problem. That's obviously going to contribute to polarization in this country. I definitely agree. While America is predominantly a two-party system at this rate, third parties still serve a valuable role and like as an outlet to voice like dissent against one or two of the major parties. So like Republicans who are dissatisfied by the current administration might choose to vote libertarian because, you know, libertarians might have a value that, that they just value more than the current Republican administration. So Republican parties, the actual like major Republican party can like see what aspects of the policy of the libertarians they want to adopt that might win back their base. So third parties can still definitely affect how the two major parties are able to influence policy. Yeah, I was going to say that um, third parties, first of all, like in the election, they're definitely, like Will said, this is a, it's a two-party system. So third parties don't even hardly get a floor on the debate, uh, the, the, the debate that happens every single time. And, and I think that I read somewhere that there's this thing that the people who organize the debate, the company, or like the organization that organizes the debate doesn't really recognize third parties and therefore they hardly get the third parties and there's also an issue with funding and stuff that third parties do not qualify for and that's why they don't get that much recognition but the one thing third parties do do like Dan said is getting the ideas out there and I think even um, Biden like he's looking at socialist parties and like those people who are advocating for climate change and prioritizing uh, those laws and ideas as well now, looking at the third party. 
Yeah, I mean, some things that I've been thinking of that really increase the amount of partisanship and like decrease the amount of people who want to vote for third parties or who want to vote independent is like that we have a winner take all system for voting. Like there are there isn't like a breakup between, oh, if X percent of the voters voted for this party, for like this third party, then they're going to be that portion of Congress. It's not like that. It's the majority gets that seat and it's usually people are going to vote for the major parties, the two major parties, Democrat and Republican, because they feel that sometimes that's their only way that they can really get stuff done, that doing it to the extreme is the only way that they can really have their voice be heard, even though there are certain third parties that might more align with what they believe. And it's also like since the two major parties have gotten so big, they can effectively control the entire political landscape and that includes like if there's a certain small third party that has this great policy idea like a like a let's say it aligns more with republicans like the republican party can then take that idea essentially and say oh yep we're gonna adopt this now this is gonna be our stance and that essentially wipes out that third party and then takes the numbers of that third party into their own party if that makes any sense so it seems like there really isn't much winning for third parties right now, uh, just due to just the strength and influence of the two major political parties. Yeah, I, I'd like to see a different form of voting implemented in maybe not in America as a whole to begin with, but at least in the primary systems, because I think, uh, especially like recently, the 2020 Democratic primary, almost uh, Bernie almost won. And he's a self-proclaimed democratic socialist. He's very far left. And I think it's because he's playing to the democratic base because in the primaries, it's, you know, you, you just got to play to your base and it doesn't serve as well, you know, uh, when you're in the general election. But um, more moderate candidates who like, you know, they, they might not have uh, as, they might be really intense democratic voters who vote in the primaries every time but they're more moderate and represent the majority of the party, they don't get their voices heard in the primary as much because um, the, the centrist vote was very split early on in the primaries and the liberal vote was basically behind Bernie and they made him seem like almost the front runner for a while. And I think because of, like, I think most primary voters tend to be those who are very active in the party, not the every man of the party or the every woman. I think that, it kind of shifts us in each direction because in conservative primary Republican primaries, the very conservative Republicans are the ones who tend to vote in the primaries and they're going to push a candidate who ends up being a very conservative Republican because most of the moderates who make up most of the, uh, the political audience don't end up voting in the primaries. Maybe they just don't have the time. They don't feel like getting invested that early on. Uh, and I think maybe having a more inclusive primary system, like get more people involved, or some sort of like ranked choice voting where you can vote your first, your, your favorite, your second favorite, your third favorite, your fourth, and just have those votes compile. Um, so you get more moderate candidates that come out of primaries. So you don't get the, uh, the craziest who are really to one side or to another side and feel like a deadly, like a deadly strong connection to their party and that the other side's Satan basically. And I think that that could very much serve the country in a good way. Yeah, I definitely think that freeing up factors like voter registration make it easier 
we're citizens of this country to legally vote is definitely a step towards the right direction of making this country more inclusive and just all more representative of the people's views. And I also, like you mentioned um, something about the news, I believe. Well, I like, I want to talk about like the effect that media has on hyper-partisanship, like how it can shape our beliefs and values about the people in our country and those around us and just how it can connect us to the right or wrong things. Um, yeah, I was actually, that was one of my questions. I was going to bring that topic up, but so you can see with a lot of social media platforms, especially like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even people get their news from TikTok is hard to believe as that is. A lot of those programs is about designing algorithms that feed viewers and users information that they agree with, because then it's gonna increase screen time, which subsequently increases screen time for advertisements, which subsequently increases the amount of money that that company makes. So it's in their best interest to feed you information that you agree with and never present you with points that differ from your own. So then you begin to fall into communities of people who share the same radical or askew beliefs as you do and it becomes an echo chamber of false talking points. And obviously that's going to increase partisanship because then you have various communities in the group that are all pitted against each other with all false information. And, you know, they might have bits and pieces that are true, but the majority of it can obviously be misconceptions that are going to lead to arguments that cause um, partisanship and eventually culminate in the form of, I don't know, per se, a capital riot, as we've seen. I think also the blame is a lot of people, of course, are on uh, social media, but I think that tends to skew younger. Um, but like Facebook, of course, that takes a lot of uh, middle class, uh, middle age people and brings them uh, just news they want to hear. But I think cable news is also uh, a big problem because, you know, uh, they, they always have talking heads on there that just talk about the current issues and, and they always put their own opinion into it. And even the hosts, when they're supposed to be reporting straight facts, the tone of their voice or the, they just put, infuse their opinion into it. And if people are trying to get their news, you know, they're like, I don't want to get my news off of social media. I'm going to turn on the TV and watch the news. And then they get just junk and bias and it'll make them hate the other side and everything they do. And then where do you, where do you get your news from? If social media news is tainted, biased, and algorithmically it is showing you what you like not the, the facts and you turn on cable news and again they have the monetary incentive to keep you watching so they show you what you like and you can have civil debates when you can agree upon facts or at least acknowledge that someone's good or bad or they've got the right view in mind and when you have but, but when you can't agree on things that are just on common ground at all you can't debate any issues. Looking at what you're saying about cable news media being a problem too, I think that as far as social media and media goes, the problem is really free media because free media really revolves around view time and amounts of clicks that they get as far as getting money. So their best interest as far as the company goes is always going to be retaining your viewership by feeding you information that you like because they don't want to deter you from their platform. So 
forms of paid media, such as subscription-based, um, like the New York Times or the Atlantic or The Economist, stuff like that, those are probably going to be more objective platforms because they already have your money. They don't really care. They're going to give you good information. So I think that forms of free media are really the problem as far as polarizing citizens of America. Yeah, I think a big part of the issues we have can be attributed to the media, like misinterpreting reality as signs and symbols that really just miskew our entire perception. So we see these things that the media has portrayed to us, like how the Democrats or Republicans are acting or how a war is being covered. And we take it for granted as fact, but in reality, they're all just portrayals like of a single perspective concerning that topic. And it's not really accurate to the entire whole. What, honestly, I think the best way for us to even move past this point is just to do our own research, just like go out in our communities and see things for ourselves because that's just the most accurate way we'll ever be able to find anything meaning in this world other outside of the news and the reality perpetrated by that. Yeah, I mean, the media is probably one of the biggest contributors to polarization. And also, um, like, as Will said, I didn't actually think about it that way, that free media probably encourages um, being more less fact-based and more opinion-based. And that's interesting that you bring that up because I know that media has now become more opinion-based and it's really emotionally driven. Like during COVID, when we started turning on the TV, everything was like always blaming Trump. There was like no solutions or anything. It was always just trying to make people go against the Republican party. And then when you turned on Fox, it was the same thing. It was trying to make people go against um, the, Democratic, uh, the Democratic party. And I think that's also, it also shows how like media does portray things uh, wrong about just not this nation, but other nations. And you should probably check your sources before you do anything. It's kind of sad that it comes to the point where we have to research further and we can't just trust the news sources in our nation. All right, so going off what everyone said, I think we've come to a good point where we can uh, transition to the connect to today questions. So the first question that I have I'm going to post to all of you is how do you think we go from here as far as bringing America and restoring a more or bringing America to a more unified state and decreasing the partisanship that we have seen for so long? I think it really just boils down to getting an understanding of each other and each other's beliefs, not just like someone has a differing view from you and you start attacking them because they're wrong or something. You know, as everyone else was saying, like doing your research and figuring out what works best for you, not listening to, you know, like what people on the internet say necessarily or what you get fed since you were young. Um, it's about like coming to your own understanding about your own political views based on your own experiences and others' experiences. And I think if we just start there, I think it'd be a good place to start. Yeah, and I think definitely uh, diversify who you hear information from. Don't just like try to stick with your uh, whatever you've grown up knowing, like the Democrats or the Republicans or socialists, whatever it is, just, just don't stick with your family's ideologies. And, and if somebody does have an ideology that's against yours, hear them out. And even if they're wrong, and even if you think that they're wrong, just like as long as you're hearing and listening to them, you might hear something interesting or you might even be more confident in your, in your place after that. 
Yeah, I most definitely agree. The first step is always just to realize that we are living in a society that's increasingly growing partisan. And we have to make sure to call out, like whenever there's examples of hypocrisy, like between the two parties, or like just in general illogicalness, that we should all work towards the better good and just ignore whatever partisan divides that we've created that don't even really exist when we just look at ourselves as people. Yeah, I agree completely. I think also going off what Abiha was saying about diversifying sources, there has to be a sense of obligation as far as seeking out people with differing opinions, as you said, and having civil political discourse with them to understand other parties' idea ideologies. And eventually, as you're faced with more information, you can come to better conclusions and develop better ideologies of what you believe as a person. And I think that that's really important for all of us to do, no matter what party you belong to. On that note, we're going to uh, end today's episode. I'm Will Capello. I'm Abia Zaidi. I'm Alex Garcia. I'm Daniel. I'm Camille Bala. Tune in every other Monday to join us. And special thanks to Sophie Solarino for editing. Also, don't forget to follow our Instagram, topic underscore of underscore today underscore.